Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. On the Logistics of Logistics, I talk to experts in logistics and transportation, warehousing, fulfillment, supply chain, and of course, technology. And during these interviews, I'm always the one asking the dumb questions. I ask the dumb questions so you don't have to. Today's topic is thriving in an omni-channel world with my friend Akash Gupta. Akash is the co-founder and CEO of Gray Orange, a hardware agnostic fulfillment orchestration platform. I know that's a mouthful, but integrating and getting the most from your warehousing, robotics, WMS, all that automation is very hard. Akash and his team at Gray Orange make it easy. So check out our conversation. So how's it going, Akash? Good, good. How are you? Doing great, doing great. So Akash, please introduce yourself and your company and where you're calling from today. I'm Akash Gupta, co-founder, CEO, Gray Orange. Basically, Gray Orange provides technology solutions to retailers of the world for, for software orchestration and robotic fulfillment. And I'm calling from Atlanta today. Very nice. Very nice. You said a mouthful there. You work with retailers. You work with warehousing companies. And what do you guys, what do you do for warehousing companies and retailers? Yeah. So we basically pretty much help them on a couple of things. We help them with any kind of robotic automation and providing all the software orchestration for robotic automation. And which in terms, of course, you know, gets them to make sure that they can, um, you know, meet their customer promises, you know, from their warehouses. So that's your solution is for connecting to robots within a warehousing environment or a retail environment? Yeah, yeah. So from Gray Matter perspective, the solution basically enables you to orchestrate multiple types of robotic agents from small warehouses to the largest of the warehouses and, and automate different kinds of processes within warehouses. Now, you mentioned Gray Matter. Is that separate from Gray Orange? Yeah, Gray Matter is basically the multi-agent software orchestration layer that we, we are talking about, which basically... So when you say multi-layer orchestration layer, to me and the rest of the layman listening are going, what nonsense is he speaking of? So please break it down for us. Yeah, so maybe if I simplify this, basically Gray Matter has the capability of running different types of robotics or ro robots in same field, right? If you look at different processes in the warehouse, you are picking and packing, you are receiving, you are sorting and likes of that. And it there can never be that one type of robot will do all of those processes, right? Gray Matter basically has the ability to orchestrate different type of robotic agents, right? That can do different types of processes. So you can very easily use one single software to automate and orchestrate all different processes in the warehouse. Now, does this connect to a warehouse management system or are you creating a warehouse management system? This basically normally connects to a warehouse management system. So all the major warehousing management systems connect to you? Yes, absolutely. We work with the likes of Manhattan, Blue Yonder, High Jump, SAP, Microsoft Dynamics. So yeah, we, we basically have integrations with all the major WMS systems. So... When you say gray orange, is another way to say that's an integration layer? So basically, it's in today's supply chain terms, you can call it as warehouse execution layer, right? So there's a warehouse management layer. And then below that, gray matter, which is pretty much a real-time warehouse execution layer. A warehouse man management system handles things at the higher level, right? That, for example, what is the total inventory in the warehouse? What are the total orders? 
and then for Graymatter or a warehouse execution system basically handles then real-time execution of, of things within different processes within the warehouse. Yep. I've done a podcast in the past with the guys from Softion, Dan Gilmore, and we talked about this warehouse execution system and the difference between that and a warehouse management system in our increasingly technical warehousing business, I need to execute. And the way we execute more and more is with technology. There's all these technology vendors and do they all necessarily connect to my WMS? Maybe, hopefully, but uh, probably not. So I can do costly one-off integrations with each one of my robotic suppliers. And it's not just, think of robots, it's not just one kind, there's dozens of kinds. And I don't want to do all those costly integrations. So I say, instead of doing that, I can talk to the fine folks over at Gray Orange and they say, we will bring in an integration layer. We're already connected to your WMS vendor. We can help you get that connected. Yeah, and, and absolutely. And, and from Gray Orange perspective, uh, with Gray Matter, we also bring basically different kind of robotic technologies. What we have along with Gray Matter is what we call a certified range of network, which is basically a combination of robotic technologies built by Gray Orange. But today we have 10 plus different kind of robotic technologies certified on it. So basically you can use Gray Matter and then use any of these robotic technologies and it will all seamlessly work for you. Nice, nice. So let's switch gears for a sec. Tell me about you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Give us some career highlights before you started Gray Orange. Sure. So I grew up in um, a town called Kanpur in India, maybe 300 miles from the capital. Then I went to- It's the capital of uh, India. New Delhi. All right. And then I went to a school called uh, Bits Pilani, which is basically, uh, I did my mechanical engineering from Bitspilani. I think my first couple of years in the college were very interesting. We started building humanoid robots. We got inspired by, in fact, robo games that happens in San Francisco every uh, every year. And that was the inspiration. We started building humanoid robots. So for first almost two, two and a half years, we were participating in these kind of one meter high humanoid competitions, Kung Fu competitions. And then we moved to two-on-two robo-soccer and things like that, which basically gave a lot of, I would say, understanding and insights of how robotic technologies work, how AI works, how can you apply AI ML into different kind of robotic technologies. So that's pretty much what we were doing in the first two years. And then late in the third year of my college, we started Grey Orange. You, who'd you start it with? My co-founder, Samay. Yeah, we basically met in college. We build all the humanoids together, had uh, a lot of fun doing that. And then we started Grey Orange together. What problem did you see? You were in college. How did you know there is even a problem? Or did you just know there's a problem because we're studying it? Yeah, no, I think as we were getting ready to graduate from the college, there are a couple of things. Of course, we wanted to apply robotics to some real world problem, right? And then we, when we were looking at the overall trends or macro technology trends happening in the world. Of course, internet and e-commerce was one of the very kind of significant trend trend back in 2010, 2012, right? And when we started looking at e-commerce, we started seeing, of course, Amazon starting to get to the point where consumer behavior was starting to change. The need for two-day delivery, I don't think that day we were talking about same day, but 
need for two-day delivery and having a wide variety of SKUs and things like that. So we saw consumer behavior was changing. Now, other aspect which we saw was that manufacturing was evolving as well, right? Those were the days where IoT 4.0 was coming and manufacturing was also evolving. And when we saw that supply chain connects manufacturing on one side to basically consumer behavior on the other side, I think that was pretty much a light bulb moment. We thought that given both of these are completely evolving, supply chain will have to drastically evolve to meet the demands of the consumers. So I think that was the whole thought process of saying, okay, I think we can apply AI and, and robotic technologies to supply chain given the two ends of the supply chain that drives it are going through significant evolution. Yep. So you have the name Gray Orange. How did you come up with that name? Yeah. So I think, of course, when you're starting something in third year of the college, you're thinking a lot. But at that point of time, when you look at Gray Orange, it's a combination of gray hair, gray matter, basically experience and orange, which represents creativity, naiveness. And so we wanted to build an organization, which basically is a combination of these two. And we always wanted to build an organization on a certain culture rather than having an aim of becoming a billion dollar company or things like that, rather than making sure we, are, we, we have a certain kind of culture in Grey Orange. So you live in New York or Atlanta now? Both? Yeah, I live in, in, in New York now, yeah. So I know you have a, a big team in India, big team in Atlanta. And how long have you been living in the US? It's been almost four years, four, four and a half years. So you guys, I know we talked before we hit record, you have a lot of business here in the US, the majority of your business, but you have a lot of business in Europe. You have a lot of business in Latin America. You doing any business in Asia or like India? Yeah. So I think from Asia perspective, we do a fair bit of business in, in likes of Japan and, and South Korea. Of course, there is some bit of business in India, but of course, I think it will still take some more time for India to start adopting the robotics in their fulfillment. Yep. One of the things is when we talk about robots, it was always like a pipe dream that we'd have robots. It was like, why would we have robots? They aren't, they weren't technically advanced enough to be useful. And the expense was so high that it was like, can't do it. I'll just hire a guy. It's no big deal. I'll hire a guy. He will do that job. The problem is we got, we got really rich in this country <laughs> and as a result, you don't know any, and I know there's people who are listening and saying, oh, we don't have money. Compared to most other countries, there's just a lot of money here. And if you have a young person in your life, a son or daughter, and they say, I think I'm just going to go work at a warehouse. You're like, eh, come on now, let me, let's finish up school, get a certificate, learn to code. Let me hook you up at a logistics company. Most people aren't looking for that manual work. Now, granted, people are doing it. But we also realize there's limitations to humans. You can't ask people to work in a warehouse or retail location and walk seven miles a day and lift things. You can do it when you're young, but you won't be young for long, <laughs> especially in that work. I didn't do work like that, and I didn't stay young long enough. <laughs> I want to take a quick time out to tell you, you can now listen to the logistics of logistics on Wreaths Across America Radio. I'll put a link in the show notes. Wreaths Across America provides informational, inspiring content about members of the U.S. Armed Forces, their families, and military veterans. Their mission is to remember, honor, and teach. Wreaths Across America succeeds because of the generous support of the trucking community. 
take a listen, and please consider volunteering. Getting back to it, we started seeing the cost of technology coming down just as we started to also hit, uh, I would say, labor problems. Right now, we have a real hard time filling jobs. Charlie Safro, she's been on my podcast. She is she owns a company, recruiting company called CS Recruiting. She posts some very good stuff. She's a very good follow on LinkedIn. And she wrote the other day that even in a down market, a lot of companies are getting rejections on, on, on people. So they're making offers and getting rejected. I have one of my daughters just switched jobs, started a new job. Great kid, very smart. I must take after mom. And she, the things she was talking about, very different than things I was talking about at her age in terms of what the expectations are. So we, we have a problem with labor. And I'll throw one other thing out there too. I'm one of the younger baby boomers. When the baby boomers all retire, and the, there's more who are past retirement age than not right now, we have 400,000 fewer people in the generation right behind. 400,000 people less, plus they're ever increasingly wealthy. Who's going to do this work? <laughs> and I think you know. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. The problem is very uh, real. There are, uh, you know, warehouses which we have gone, which have gone through a fair bit of automation. Like there, there's a warehouse which ships now close to quarter million units uh, a day. And um, we have reduced the need for labor by close to 60, 65%, right? Wow. And, and you won't believe that even then, when there are peak days, even to get that 35% of people is a challenge. So imagine what would happen if we really needed all the people, um, you know, th th that it is. So even today, when, when peak days come, right, even automation with automation, there's a, there are challenges. So... It's going to be almost unimaginable if if we purely rely on 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 people showing up during during peak seasons. Yeah, and I, I'm from an automotive background. I've said this many times in my podcast, so I'll keep it short. But when I started in the '80s working, uh, a lot of people were doing jobs in the assembly plants that were very difficult, sometimes dangerous. If not dangerous that day, dangerous over time because of being on their feet all day, or crouching, or having to lift something. Um, we knew over time, after a while, we recognized over time, these assembly plant workers are injuring themselves. If you're in a position where you're injuring yourself at work, are you caring about quality? Are you caring about the customer promise? No, you're in pain. So now if you go through an assembly plant, very few people are doing work that would get them injured. In fact, when I was still in automotive, when I remember walking through a plant and seeing somebody doing a job it was very dangerous. And I was with a senior person from a big, large automotive company. And I remember he said, oh God, what's going on over here? And uh, he said, I want that stopped right now. He said, write this up, figure it out, call the plant manager. We can't have this job because there's somebody who's doing a job that I don't know how you could do it all day long, one day, let alone two days. And we know you're going to get workman's comp problems. We know that for sure. But also, do you want to be that company that has people who are injured? Do you want to have people who are exhausted? They aren't going to take care of business. But also, what's your culture like when you say, yeah, that guy works with us. And yeah, he's crouched over and exhausted. Oh, yeah, she always looks like that because she walks 10 miles a day. None of us want to run a company like that. 
Yeah, and, and, and in fact, some of the other things that we have seen, which is very similar to that is, if you look at attrition in a non-automated warehouses, right, versus attrition in a automated warehouses, the difference is of night and day, right? Uh, because oh, really? once you start getting to the point where they are not doing the walking, they're just doing things that are complex and they're basically, uh, you know, being assisted by the by different kind of robots to make sure that they can do their work more easily. You know, ima imagine this, right? Which warehouse will you go? Will you go to a warehouse where you need to walk 20 miles or where you'll go to the warehouse where you have five robots assisting you and making your job much more easier, right? You know, at the end of the day, what we have seen is when you start looking at, you know, automated warehouses, the attrition kind of drops significantly, the engagement increases significantly and likes of that. So, so that's again, something that we have seen pretty much every single warehouse that we have automated. Yeah, it makes sense. And again, that it, none of this would work if the cost of technology didn't come down. And also, if we didn't have the ability to integrate the robots into the information technology systems that we've gotten used to. And again, not so long ago, I would have to hire a smart person like yourself to integrate my robotic software into my WMS and my warehouse management system. And it was one of those things where if I could find you, <laughs> you would say, I'm ready to go. I'm happy to do that work in six weeks. And then when we hire you, it would take six weeks for you to get it done. And by the time we look at the bill, we're like, oh my God, that's the last warehouse. We're, that's the last robot we're getting. We can hire a lot of people for the cost of warehouse integration. Yeah. Yeah. And one more aspect of these warehouse execution systems that are becoming very critical is that I think day by day, retailers are realizing that there is a difference between robotic uptimes and fulfillment outcomes, right? Making sure that you are orchestrating the robots, giving them the right work, operating them correctly, maintaining them correctly, and likes of that is very different than just saying my robots always runs, right? And these warehouse execution systems also do play an important role in making sure that they are prioritizing the right work for the robots, right? They're making sure that right type of robots are doing the right job and the right inventory is placed in the right places and likes of that which is not possible for warehouse management systems to do because they don't they are not controlling the robots directly you know the way now warehouses are operating is warehouse, warehouse management systems are giving like a large chunk of work to warehouse execution systems and then warehouse execution systems are taking that and then executing that in the real time and gray matter basically is pretty much best in class and at scale and reliability doing the same jobs. There are now warehouse sites that we are running, which were running pretty much just robots directly connected with warehouse management systems and some kind of custom integration layer, but not giving the right throughput. And then we went and inserted gray matter. And then from same type of robots, we were getting 30, 35% higher throughputs. Basically, you need warehouse execution systems to make sure that your robots are getting the right work, right prioritization, right tasks are getting orchestrated and likes of that. So it's it's a very, it's the difference between running raw robotics versus really getting real fulfillment outcomes out of robotics. And when you think about real fulfillment outcomes, you mean that quarter million products going out the door in a day. And I think also 
when you look at bringing in technology, it's easy to say right now I have a guy and he takes that from this shelf and puts it on this box over here on the scale or whatever. I need a robot that does that. It probably better off to say, you know, let's take the people out of the equation. Let's look at what has to happen in this function and develop the right technology. And it might be completely different. Maybe it's con conveyor belts, but we have to look at the warehousing environment with fresh eyes, with the eyes of robotics and technology people, not necessarily just the eyes of operators. Not the, You need the operators. They need to be the ones who say, here's what we need to do every day. But um, you need the technology and the, and the robot people to come in and say, here's what's possible. Yeah, no, absolutely. You got to pretty much look at different processes from a different way, right? Um, if you run your warehouse like a manual warehouse, right, and keep the processes exactly same and just insert robots, that's not going to give you the right. You're yield, not going right? to get the. You're not going to get return on investment on those robots, yeah, and they're not. Yeah, yeah. They're much cheaper than they were, and they will continue to come down in price, but they are free. <laughs> so, before we hit record, I was we talked about thriving in an omni-channel world. And we talked about four points, and I want to go through them with you. Um, we talked a little bit about some of them already. But I said, what does it take to succeed in this omni-channel world? And we talked about some problems. I think the inverse of those problems is the um, way we thrive. The first thing we talked about is customer promises. So talk about the customer promises in relation to this omni-channel world. Yeah, I think today when you look at consumer expectation, they are pretty much looking for a seamless experience across all channels, right? Uh, they should be able to go to a, a store, look at something, and then order it online. And they should be able to order it online and pick up in store. They should be able to get all the options of same-day delivery, next-day delivery, and likes of that. So I think that is becoming more and more important for, um, you know, for uh, retailers in the world. So at the end of the day, meeting the customer process, I was reading a research which says that in today's consumer world, if you do not meet a customer outcome more than two times, you know, the customer pretty much changes the loyalty to a different brand and likes of that. You know, if you are promising next day delivery, you got to make sure that you do next day delivery and likes of that. So that is one part. Second, of course, we talked about in length labor challenges, right? At the end of the day, it's very critical that when you have the right peak seasons, when you have the, when you want to launch something and likes of that, you have the right resources to deliver on that launch. And so labor changes, challenges, of course, second is, is a real problem. Third problem is basically how do you get the best yield out of your inventory, right? Uh, now, of course, in the omni-channel world, the channel mix keep fluctuating, right? Sometimes in weekends, a lot more happening in physical retail, right? In weekdays, you see a lot more happening in e-commerce, right? How do you make sure that you your, your fulfillment centers, your omni-channel centers can flex around these things so that your system is capable of really handling any kind of variation in different channels that are uh, that are happening. And the fourth aspect of it is basically how do you make sure that once you have automated and got the taste of automation, how can you really scale the automation fast so that you can continuously keep making things more um, efficient and, and, and likes of that. So I think these are the core four challenges. And if I may add just one more, which I think is becoming more and more relevant, is how do you also start using your retail stores 
as an inventory node and just not as a place where people come and shop. Because for large amount of retailers, they have so much inventory lying in retail stores and using those retail stores as fulfillment nodes also is becoming equally, I would say, important to get the best yield out of inventory. Yeah, I think that's an interesting one. So what you mean, and I think Walmart has this plan unless it's changed. A lot has changed as we've had a little bit of a slowdown in the economy, but I believe Walmart is looking at, and I think they've built some new stores with the idea that you can come shop here, but if you want, you can also buy online from us and not only us, but others. So if you want to buy something, I think go local. I haven't talked to them on the podcast, but I'm supposed to. The go local would, let's just say I'm a, an e-commerce uh, brand and I say, I'm going to have Walmart do my fulfillment. You, So I might not be in Walmart stores, but I could be in their fulfillment. And I heard somebody say this, and I think it was an interesting point. The stuff that sells on a regular basis, I go to Walmart, I say, I get all the things I want, that, that's easy. But let's just say I go to walmart.com and I order something. That might not be at the store, but it's in their fulfillment. And I'll, you're a perfect example. You're from India originally. So maybe you say, I have certain spices that I can't necessarily get at Walmart. Maybe they have that at one of their locations within a day from you, and you can order that way. And there's a million, there's a million things like that that is a little slower moving, but still your customer wants it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think Grey Orange also, we, we launched a, a store product like called G Store, which is basically just helping retailers to pick, pack, ship, and kind of get their store operations right. Basically, it helps you convert your retail stores into inventory node for any kind of um, fulfillment activities. And that has seen significant growth. We went from literally zero stores to 2,000 stores in next in, in last 18 months for that. So I think that's becoming equally important for the retailers. Yep. I want to take a quick time out to tell you about my friends over at Greenscreens. That's greenscreens.ai. Greenscreens is a dynamic pricing technology for the truckload spot market that delivers buy and sell side market intelligence to help brokers and 3PLs grow and protect their margins. Freight brokers and 3PLs using Greenscreens gain the following advantages. Faster pricing for both buy side and sell side transactions pricing that is more accurate and more likely to win profitable business. Guys, dynamic pricing is the next killer app. Hundreds of freight brokers are already using it because it enables them to develop faster, more accurate quotes. This is the time. Check out Green Screens in the show notes, greenscreens.ai. So getting back to it, I think Target Target does fulfillment from their stores, what, 90-some percent of the time? Yeah, 90% plus of their fulfillment happens purely from stores. And that's very interesting to me because if I feel like buying it, I can drive to Target. Most of us are not far from a Target. If I don't want to go, I know they sell it, and I know it's coming from a store, so it's potentially same day or next day. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And given we work with some of these very large retailers, pretty much everybody is trying to shape their kind of fulfillment in a way that, of course, Target has gone to a completely different extreme. And of course, in they've had a lot of advantages or advantages out of it. But now there are a lot of retailers who are also starting to shift from 
fulfilling 100% from warehouses to 70% from warehouses to and 30% from stores and likes of that. Yeah, this is, yeah, it's funny because we all as consumers, we live in that omni-channel world. To your point, I might get in the car and go buy that toaster from Target. By the way, I just bought a toaster from Target. So I'm in that space. <laughs> that was easy. My toaster broke. I was dry. I was, ran Samarans. I ran over and I bought a toaster. No big deal. If I wanted something more specialized, I might have bought it online, but I don't care. It's a toaster. If I bought it online and it got here and it wasn't working or I didn't like it, it was the wrong color, whatever, I could return it to Target's store. And that's my expectation. I know Target will handle that for me. If they look at me like I have two heads when I get there, they're gonna they're gonna be they're gonna be um, I'm gonna they're gonna lose that business. And it's interesting. I remember one Christmas, my kids live out of state, but they were visiting, and they said, "Oh, can you zoom by and pick up gifts that I sent? Pick them up at Target." And I remember running over and picking up all these gifts at Target, and I was like, and it, it was they were. It, it wasn't fulfillment in the traditional sense, but I was like, yeah, the world's changing. And again, I, my expectations are I want complete flexibility in my ability to purchase. The challenge that we're talking about here today is my customer expectations, the promises that all these brands are making to us are very difficult because to your point, I'm doing a ton of e-commerce on Monday through Friday and then it switches to more consumer, more in-store on Saturday, Sunday. I have to be able to flex very quickly, very nimbly. Can't be, oh, I've I got a huge changeover cost and I have to bring in a ton of people. It can't be like that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's where pretty much Kriyarin specializes today. We run one of the, some of the largest omni-channel centers today managing multiple channels, uh, multiple brands for some of the largest uh, retailers of the world. Yeah. Again, getting back to some of those, we talked about consumer, the consumer expectations, customer promises, the labor problems we talked about for a minute. But I think another aspect of the uh, labor problem is if we're going to uh, have people in warehouses, and we are going to have people in warehouses for a good long time, we're going to make these have to make these better jobs. Now, Akash, if I took away your fancy college degree and all the success you've had as an entrepreneur and said, you need to go pick a warehouse to work at, you could go and say, I could work at a warehouse where I walk a lot and I lift things all day and I'm just seen as a strong back and someone who can survive walking like this many miles every day. You wouldn't like that. You would pick a warehouse where you say, I want to go to a warehouse that is tech enabled. First off, it makes my job easier, but also I feel like I'm making a career move because I'm learning technology. I work with all these robots. That's a career move as opposed to the other one that's you're a strong back and somebody who's a survivor. This is a job where you say, who knows what's next after I work with all these robots? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think the, the exposure is technology, the kind of user experience today, uh, you know, when you have the right technology within the warehouse, the kind of user experience you can give to people, make it easier for them, make it fun for them and likes of that. And that's absolutely something that, that is helping our customers pretty much every day to get the right people in the warehouses. Yep. And I'll throw another thing out there is if I have a warehouse 
that is super effective, super efficient. I've invested in technology and I can really get some solid throughput. I can be one of those locations that pushes out 225,000 units in a day. If we have problems with the labor market, I'm going to be able to pay extra to labor because I've done such a good job with becoming more and more efficient. The companies that don't are going to be stuck because they're not going to have they're not going to have the business model that enables them to pay for all that labor. That's what it comes down to. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I love this. So I'm going to summarize this and I want to get some final thoughts on this from you. So we talked about thriving in an in, in, in omni-channel world. This the first thing we talked about is the customer promises, that those ever-expanding consumer expectations. We just have to meet them. And then again, the very best companies are meeting. That means everybody has to meet them. You can't be one of those brands that goes, oh, that's cool that Target and Walmart's doing that, but we can't do it. <laughs> just because Amazon does doesn't mean we have to. No, that's what, whether like it or not, Amazon and Walmart and Target and many others are have spoiled us. We expect this now. So step up. Secondly, the labor problems, we're going to have to figure out how do we make these better jobs, the jobs that are safe, jobs that seemingly have a future, jobs that don't kill you. I don't want to go home from my job dirty, sweaty, and hurt every night. I probably won't keep that job long. So we need to make these the labor problems. We have to start looking and saying, notice when I talk, if I was to talk to you about your tech team, we would use the term talent. When we talk about working in a warehouse, we talk about labor. And I think we need to change our mindset about how we look at the people who work in those locations. We talked about channel mix. And again, this is a challenge for anybody working in this omni-channel, the constant uh, fluctuation of that mix. We talked a little bit about this automation adoption. I want to be able to use all these technologies, technologies, robots, et cetera. I want them to all connect easily into my system without a whole bunch of work. And then last but not least, we talked about retail as an inventory node or as a fulfillment node, really. So final thoughts on this topic. Yeah, no, I think at the end of the day, today, retailers pretty much need to ensure that they are taking the right steps all across, right? The consumer is fairly strict on on, on us and we need to basically take the right steps towards getting the right automation, getting the right foundation of right software layer, right uh, technology in the automation and look at pretty much not as, okay, this is my distribution warehouse. This is my fulfillment warehouse. This is my retail mode. Look at all of this as together as, okay, this is my inventory. This is the set of people I have. And this is the demand I'm getting, right? And then think about how do you get the best experience to your consumers, getting the best yield of the inventory in the most efficient way, right? And, and that's where if you start looking at somebody like Cray Orange, that's that's pretty much the value we are. We help you think through all these three dimensions and say, this is how we can you know get the right omni-channel experience to you through different uh, you know technologies available. Yep, I love it. I love it. What I'll do is I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile. I'll put a link to your website, and I'll also put a link to anything else you and your marketing team give me. I like to interview smart, interesting people like you, Akash, people who are killing it in the space. Who else should I talk to? 
Uh, yeah, you can talk to one of our strong partners, HAI Robotics. The founders H- is- HAI Robotics. I always thought that was just Ha Robotics, but it's HAI. <laughs> yeah, it's HAI. Hi, whatever you want to call it. One of the founders is uh, a good friend, Richie, who basically is in U.S. strongly partnering with us to as a part of our Certified Ranger Network. And um, I think they are definitely going doing good job in getting the right robotic technologies for retailers. Yep, I love it. I love it. So what conferences do you and the Gray Orange team get to? Yeah, so we basically pretty much go to all retail and supply chain conferences. You can start with Promat or NRF or Shop Talk or Retail Congress and likes of likes of that. Excellent. Excellent. Do you go to Manifest? Yeah, yeah. We were uh, we are part of Manifest, yeah. I always ask people, like, I'm going to bump into them. There's, I was there, but I always feel like, how do I miss so many people? <laughs> I always ask, like, I know I should be seeing everybody out there, but I somehow miss them. But I love what you guys are doing. I, it's an interesting thing for those of us who are not technologists. We know technology is, is one of the foundations of this success we're having in Omnichannel. But I think for the operators, the people who are moving the freight, who are running the retail locations, they just know this is a mystery. And I think what you've done is you've you've brought this down to earth a little bit for us because it is not easy to understand the nuances of what you do. But the reality is we love all the technologies that we use and we want to use more of them. But also, they don't always connect. So when you look at all those robots and you go, that's technology, that technology doesn't want to connect easily to your warehouse management system. And by the way, I won't mention names, but a number of people lately have complained to me about their WMS and said, I need a new one. And you go, oh, okay. I just, you sometimes just forget that there are lots of problems. We are still really, I'll say, early stages in the technologies we're using to manage our warehouses. And I'm sure this same applies to retail. We are still just figuring it out. When I was when I was your age, gosh, there was no tech to worry about. I mean, we had a damn fax machine. So it's the world is changing very quickly. So I appreciate you making it a little more accessible for us. Well, absolutely. We want our customers to not worry about robots and just worry about what do they need from them? And let us worry about how do we get uh, what they need from robots. Yep. Akash, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for taking the time. Perfect. Thank you. Yep. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You have been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage with leaders in the logistics and supply chain community. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, hit the like button, and leave us a nice review on Apple or Spotify or wherever else you listen. Also, please check out our videos on YouTube and connect with us on LinkedIn. We're very big on LinkedIn. And you can also reach us on the logisticsoflogistics.com, our website.